Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in the book of 1 Peter today. Book of 1 Peter, as you're grabbing a Bible, it's all the way at the end of the Bible. We'll also have scripture on the screen. Uh, as you're getting there, I want to begin with a story. I have three boys, and my youngest, uh, a number of years ago, came to me and said that he wanted to do some beekeeping. You know what my experience with bees is? Anybody ever get stung by a bee? How fun is that? So when you're thinking about beekeeping, at least my brain went to, that's a lot of bees. That could be a lot of stinging. We had nowhere uh, to start, really, but luckily we had a family friend who was a beekeeper, and he helped my son uh, get his first uh, bees. Do you want to see what bees look like when they come in the mail? This is, here's a picture of them. You can actually get bees. How would you like to deliver those? Not me, right? But that's how bees come. And so uh, Jack got his first package of bees. That's Jack in the protective suit over there. He's putting the bees in a little hive. So we did this for the first year. Now, beekeeping uh, is uh, not really labor-intensive, but you got to pay attention, right? They're animals. you got to make sure they're taken care of. The first year we had them, we got no honey because the first year they're storing up enough honey to survive. The second year, we're tending the bees. Now, once a year, when you get enough honey, it gets really busy on one weekend because you got to take the honey out, and it's a lot of work. But it is so worth it. Here's a picture of what it looks like on B. Yeah, somebody went, mmm. You know what that is? That is pure, right off the hive honey. Do you know how that tastes? Pure honey, not mixed with anything. It tastes incredible. How many people want honey right now? Right? I, and I don't share that to, for you to ask me, hey, do you have any honey? We really don't have a whole bunch. It's just a hobby for us. Right, But I share that because we love, at least I love, really pure things. Because you can trust them. They're not mixed with anything. So, so other pure things. Let's see. It's Sunday morning early. Don't know if anybody's had breakfast. How about pure maple syrup? Pure maple syrup fans? So much better than corn syrup, right? Flavored with, right? It's, it, they take, tw- I looked this up because uh, my family did it a, a number of years ago. We went to a, is it a maple syrup farm? Is that what they call them? You go to some farm, they've got maple trees, they've tapped them, and they've just got buckets of sap, and they boil the buckets that like 20 gallons of sap after boiled down and worked, get to like a half a gallon of pure maple syrup on warm pancakes with a little bit of butter on. You want me to keep going? Right? Don't we really like pure things? How about this one? Uh, how many of you like pure gold? Yeah, a few of you, right? And, and gold, when it comes out of the earth, is not pure. You've got to work it. You've got to refine it. But don't we love things that are pure? Even the Bible, we, here's what it says, Psalm 12, 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a, fur, a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. We so like pure things because we can trust them. They're not mixed with anything. There's something inside of us that is drawn to pure things. 
And if I make a spiritual shift and we read throughout the account of Scripture, God is drawn to pure things as well. He calls us to be pure, to be holy. Here's a couple of examples. 2 Timothy 2. I love this. If you keep yourself pure, you'll be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. I love that. Like, I want to be used like that. Like, I'm a special utensil of God. Like, God, he gets into a situation and goes, you know what? I, I need the Steve utensil. I want to be that. Y'all are laughing. What about this? Matthew 5, 8. Jesus, giving his first sermon, says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Well, that's interesting. He's asking us to be pure in heart. That we won't see God unless we have purity of heart. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life like an insurance policy that the only time I see God is at the end of my life. I want to see him today. I want to see him move tomorrow. But it says right there, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God because it attracts God into our lives when we're pure. Hebrews 12, 14 says it a different way. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a thread that says, if you are a follower of God, the expectation, the desire from God for our lives is to be holy. He even commands it. Leviticus 19.1. The Lord says to Moses, speak to the entire assembly, not just Moses, the entire assembly of Israel, and say this to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. That is a tall order. There's benefit to being holy. I'm going to bring up four. I'm not going to go into these scriptures. You could take a picture of them if you wanted to. But here's four benefits of being holy. It helps our relationship with God. It aligns us for God's purposes. It encourages others to seek God. When people see that our lives are pure, it actually draws them in because we're different. It pleases God and produces great fruit. Not great fruit, great fruit. Like, you want good fruit in your life, the fruit that the Bible talks about? Get areas of your life more holy, and you'll see it. So I want you to think, just for a second, because this is a tall order, but I, wanna, I want you to think, because I've been thinking about areas in my life that could use more holiness, more purity. I really want you to think about this. This could benefit anyone listening. I'm thinking about it. I've got some areas. As I look at those four benefits, I want those benefits in those areas of my life. And just to be transparent, when we hear about holiness or purity or read it in Scripture, it's, it's a hard topic. Like for way too many years in my life, I've just glanced over it, knowing I should do something about it, knowing I should work on it. But in some areas, it's hard. Like, where do I even start? And so the challenge today in this text from 1 Peter is to give everybody listening 
I really believe that everybody here can benefit from this. Not just it's a message from me, but there's something in Scripture that should draw us into a life that is more holy because that's what God calls us to be. And it's, as we think about this series that we're in, we're actually wrapping up this series today. The, the series is called Resolve, where we're starting the year off right. I could not get through this series without talking about this because it's so important to God. Like we still have, there's 2022, it's still early. Let's not give up. We can do something today when we leave that will help on this journey. And so this text that I'm gonna dig into is from 1 Peter. Let me give you a little background before I read just a few verses. Peter was very close to Jesus, and uh, he now has this opportunity to write to Christians that have been scattered. So people who believed in Jesus, they were doing great things, they got pushed out of their own community because other people didn't like what they were doing, like what they were saying, and so they were in a foreign land, and Peter hears about it, and he's like, I've got to write them, I've got to encourage them, I've got to keep them on task. And so he writes, I'm just going to read a couple of verses. In 1 Peter 1, starts in, chapter, uh, in verse 14, he says this, As obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. It's only a couple of verses. I'm going to read this again. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. In that text, just a few verses, I see some things that can help us start to, in the areas of our life that we're struggling to be more holy, start to work in those areas to bring more purity into them. Before I jump into those, let me pray. Will you pray for me? So, Father, we thank you for today. God, this is just a, a confession from me. I, there's areas of my life that could use more holiness. And likely other people that are listening feel the same way. And so I pray, God, that you would open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to this text that we read. I pray against distraction. Bring us clarity so we can walk out today differently than we walked in. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Back of your handout, a couple fill in the blanks. Here's what I see in this letter, in these few verses that Peter wrote Christians who are scattered. Here's what I see. Being holy means living set apart for God. Living set apart for God. Verse 15, read it a couple of times already, but I'll read it again. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy. In all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. It's tough to argue what Peter is saying here. He's, he's telling Christians, be, no, 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 be holy. And when I've read that in the past, I mentioned it earlier, it's a tall order. But when I think 
or when I've thought about this, I've thought like, okay, strategically, how do I do this? And it's the, probably the same list that you're thinking of. Well, I should probably carve out more time for God. I should probably read my Bible more. I should probably pray more. I should probably, and you end up with this list of things that you should be doing. And sometimes that list, I'm just trying to be honest this morning, sometimes that list can get exhausting. And the bar that we create for ourselves makes us tired to even try to be holy. Does anybody else feel that way sometimes? Right? And you're exhausted already. And so I want to start at the top of this message with just a little bit of clarity. Nothing we do on our own makes us holy. You know what makes us holy? Jesus died on a cross for our sins. The holiness is on his side. We just have to be available for him to work on our lives. That laundry list of things we have will not make us holy. God does. Which is interesting when we think about this because when we look at the Hebrew word for holy, here's what it really means. That which is set apart and marked off, that which is different. The original language does not say, oh, you must be perfect. No, it means you must be set apart in that area of your life. It has to be different so God can work on it. Let me give you a couple of examples that are not biblical. When I was growing up, uh, my mom would always on Thanksgiving make a turkey. She would cook the turkey and she would put it on the counter. And we knew it was time to eat when my father would get up off of his chair and he would walk to the turkey and he would put the same apron on each year and he would lean below and open the cabinets below the turkey and there was this box. He'd pull the box out and he'd put it on the counter. He would open it up and pull out the holy knife. It was the knife that was set apart to carve the turkey. And he would, he would uh, sharpen the knife. And I would think every time he sharpened it, Dad, you only use that knife once a year. That thing's sharp. You really don't need to sharpen that anymore. But he would do it. And he would sh- just like it was a whole, like that knife was set apart and special. And he would carve the turkey. Anybody have a holy knife? Oh, somebody's pointing. Some of you in your house, you have holy dishes, dishes that are so set apart, you only use them once a year. How many of you have holy dishes? My mother had such holy dishes, we never used them. I think we were waiting on the queen to come to the house to use those babies. Like they were so set apart. Do you get this? How many of you have a toothbrush? Right? How many of you share your toothbrush? No, because that's gross. You don't share your toothbrush, you set it apart. It is a holy toothbrush. The next time you brush your teeth, I want you to think of this message that you are using the holy toothbrush. You have set it apart. That's the very thing when we look in Scripture at the things that God wants to be holy is happening. Exodus 28 says this. Look at this. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. We're supposed to take one day of our week and set it aside so God can create this holy day and he can do some things with it in our lives. It's to be set apart. Other examples, the priests in the Old Testament, they were called holy because they were set apart to minister to God. That was their job. They were set apart. They were not to do anything else. The clothes that they wore, They were clothes that were only to be worn in the temple. They were to be set apart and not be worn the rest of the week. They were holy clothes. The holy tithe. 
We're supposed to, with our finances, set apart 10% for God to do something amazing with, more than we could ask or imagine. Maybe not in our lives, maybe in the community, but we're supposed to set those things aside. Things cannot be holy unless they're set apart for God for him to do something with them. Without setting things apart, we're just asking for contamination of the world in them. Let me give you an example. I'm going to go back to the bees. When you're harvesting honey and getting ready to bottle it, you've got to filter some of this stuff out in the honey. So this year, my son was doing a great job, you know, filtering it out. And then when you get a bucket of honey that's pure, you put a lid on it and you set it aside so it doesn't get contaminated. So he's gotten a couple of buckets done this year, and he's got one bucket, and I think he had to go to the bathroom, and so he walked away from the room just for a minute, and when he came back, we have a dog. You know this, where this is going, don't you? The, the dog, it's a big dog. His face is in the bucket. He's going after the honey like he is in it. Like, can you imagine the dog spit, like, in the tongue, and he's like, Bleh. and of course, we're like, oh, what is going on? It's contaminated, and so we're looking at the honey, and the dog goes away, and we're like, okay, let's just scrape off some of the top. <laughs> and then the realization, wow, he really got in here. <laughs> what do you do? Now we got contaminated honey, so we just gave all that honey to Pastor Mark. <laughs> oh, Pastor Mark, if you're watching, no, we didn't. No, but that's, right, that's contaminated honey, and so we kept that for ourselves. We tried to pasteurize it and do it. If you come over to our house, we actually have honey that's not contaminated, but the honey that we have actually has a little, it's on the top of the lid, it says DS for dog spit honey. Oh. <laughs> uh. Right? What? Pure honey is set aside. We don't want things that are contaminated, which is exactly what Scripture says. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Therefore, I love this verse. Every word in this verse is important. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything. We should be set apart. That contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence from God. This is exactly what Scripture tells us. We need to set things apart so they do not become contaminated. This does not mean that we just stay home and don't do anything when we try to set apart our lives. It doesn't mean just to sit in our chair all day. Setting apart means that we treat those areas of our lives differently. When we go back to the text from today, 1 Peter 1, Peter writes and says, So be holy in all you do. In all you do. I looked up the original language of all we do, and, and that's really what it means. Everything we do should be holy, should be set apart for God. So when we're washing the dishes, putting them in the dishwasher, whatever you do, you can set that time aside to be holy. Here's how you would do that. Instead of talking, instead of watching the news, turn on worship music and just say, God, that this time is dedicated, as crazy as it sounds, this time is dedicated to you. I was at work, this was a number of years ago, I was not great at this, every day, but I remember I was working at the hospital and, and one morning um, had a full day and I said, God, this day, I'm going to dedicate this day to you. It's full, but whatever you want to do, God, you can have it. 
And the day went around, the morning, meeting after meeting after meeting, it was completely normal, nothing out of the ordinary, right? But in the afternoon, someone came to me. We had our meeting. They walked out of my office, sounded like they took two steps, walked right back in and closed the door. And I thought, uh-oh, something's wrong. And they started crying. And we had not talked a lot about being Christians or whatever, but what he started to tell me was that one of his kids who struggled with depression was starting to hurt themselves. And he was at a loss for what to do. And in that moment, I realized that because I dedicated the day to God, he could come and make this holy moment that made a difference so I could pray for him and his son. Just to be honest, when I think about that account, what comes to mind is I have likely missed thousands of opportunities where God wanted to create a holy moment, but my agenda, my desires, my time management skills so got in the way and created contamination. So here's a question I'm asking myself. I wonder if you could ask yourself, is there an area of my life that is contaminated? You can write that down. Is there an area of my life that is contaminated? A great, if, if there is, a great prayer to pray is really simple. God, I dedicate whatever that area is to you. I'm just going to set it aside to you. It doesn't mean I'd stop doing whatever, but I dedicate it to you to do something great with it. Being holy means living set apart from or for God. The other thing I see in the text is this. Being holy means firmly establishing my citizenship. Firmly establishing my citizenship. I'm going to give you a minute to write that. Some long words there. The verse that Peter writes, the letter to, says this. 1 Peter 1.17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. I want to pause there for a second. Because there's two things in this verse I want to highlight. God judges all of our work impartially. A number of years ago, I worked with a guy from Sri Lanka. It's a tiny country, but that's where his citizenship was. Great friend. And uh, he was trying to become a citizen of the United States, but that process takes a long time, years. And while he was here with his wife, he had two children. And when he had those two children, those children, the citizenship of those children are the United States. Wasn't that interesting? The countries view citizenship not by the family, not by association of other people, but they view it each individually. It's the same thing God does. He looks at us individually and judges our work and judges our holiness. You are not more holy because you came to the Vineyard Church this morning and you just hang out with a bunch of people who are Christians. It doesn't make you any more holy. You're not more holy because your parents are Christians. That's not how it works. You are not more holy. You are not a Christian just because you try to ride the coattails of your wife who has drugged you to church. That's not how it works. You're judged on your actions alone. You cannot establish your holiness or your identity with association of other people. That's not what the scripture says. And when you think about this, at least for me, it makes it very personal and very motivating. 
The other thing I see in this verse, verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. We're supposed to live in the world as foreigners. Here's the definition of foreigners. You probably know what it is, but I'm going to put it up anyway. The state of being in a strange locality without citizenship. When I visited India a few years ago, that felt strange to me. And people, when they looked at me over there, thought I was, well, like, dude, where are you from? Here's, like, the money that I have didn't work over there. I don't speak the same language. Like, you can go down the list, right? All the things. Their, their view of personal space, way different than how I view personal space. There's a lot of people in India. There's a lot of cows in India. Did you know that in, I know this is weird. In India, cows are gods, and so cows are just roaming the streets. Weird. Cows are just roaming the streets. I eat cows. That's strange, right? And, and people would immediately know in India, well, you're not from around here, are you? Because I was a foreigner. We're supposed to be foreigners in the world. How many times do people ask us, well, you are different. You're not from around here. That's how we're called to live. So where is our citizenship? Where do we feel most comfortable? Philippians 3.8, as Christians, here's a reminder of Philippians 3.18. Paul's writing a church. He's writing it just with passion. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on world, earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. As Christians, you can write this down. As a Christian, my citizenship is in heaven. That's where our home is. But are we living like that? Am I living like that? When we make Jesus the Lord of our life, when we try to follow his teachings to the world, we should be foreigners. I was thinking about that. Like, what is that, what is that like? Can I, can I bring some practical things for us to live as foreigners in this world to make our lives more pure? Because that's what God calls us to do. I came up with four things. You can write these down. Foreign things that Christians do. Foreign things that Christians do. The first one, speak differently than the world. Christians should speak differently than the world, which means I don't want to disconnect this from the, from the first point, which means we have to set aside the way we want to talk, our voices, so God can use them differently. Romans twelve fourteen says, bless those who persecute you. So when someone persecutes you, when you hear something you, you do not like, as much as you want to push back, that's not what Christians do. We bless people who persecute us. We speak differently. That is so not the world. Or how about this one? Use the Bible as our guide. That's a foreign thing Christians should be doing. I can't tell you how many times in the last two weeks this has come up. Just think of the decisions that you make during the week. 
or people ask you what your opinion is. Like, we're really good at throwing out second opinions for. But when, how many times when we make a decision do we actually attach a verse to our decision on how we got there? That is so, instead of the world telling us what to do, instead of leaders telling, no, this is what scripture tells us. I'm gonna follow this instead of the, what the world's telling me to follow. This is my God. Well, that would be different. Third one, Christians invest resources in God's kingdom. Which means we set aside our resources for God to use them differently. Our time, our money. So when you wake up as a Christian, we can wake up and grab the Bible instead of waking up and grabbing our phone. I'm not perfect at this. When we think about our finances, we set aside finances instead of investing into the latest and greatest thing the world wants us to have. The last one is engage the community. Foreign things Christians do, we, we engage the community. Which means we set aside our desires, our opinions, our need to be right to do things differently. We engage the community. So when we hear about young people who are struggling, we don't complain about them and try to put them down because that's what the world is doing. As Christians, we step in and speak life over them prophetically and call the very things that God put in them out into the world because we need them. When we see troubled areas in the city and when the city officials say, yeah, this one area in the city is really a problem and struggling, as Christians, we don't jump on the bandwagon and say, yeah, that area is a problem. Someone should do it. We stand up and we march down there and we bring the light of Jesus so that community is changed. That's what we do. We engage, and, and the world looks at that and goes, what? You're just throwing good money after bad. You'll never be able, you know what? Go to Barbie Creek. There's great things happening there. Lives are being changed. 911 calls have been reduced because the light of Jesus has been turned on in a community that needed it. So I want you to look at, can you put the list of the four back up? Speak different. We use the Bible as our guide. I wonder if, if we would honestly look at our online bank account, our calendar, if we would listen to ourselves, are we doing that? Are we doing that to a point that people of the world would come to you and say, what, you are different. You are not from around here. It's so worth it. When we set areas of our life aside, not as a religious obligation, but set them aside for God to work in them, to make them holy, I'm convinced that we will see the very dreams of God, the things that we could never ask or imagine, actually take place in our lives, in our community. It is so worth it. He loves us. God loves us enough to actually do the work of purifying us if we set those areas aside. Being holy means set apart, setting apart our lives for God and firmly, firmly establishing our citizenship. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. 
God bless and see you next time.